Come on, let's pray. Jesus, I just thank you for your word. I thank you for your truth. And I thank you that you will help me communicate this in the way that these people need it. Lord, in Jesus' name, I invite your presence. I thank you that you're already here, Holy Spirit. I thank you the angels of God literally come about this church. Lord, to minister the heirs of salvation, let a fresh move of the Holy Spirit come in this house right now. Draw people that don't know you. Teach people that do know you. Empower leaders. Empower disciples, I pray. Everyone said amen. Come on, give the Lord a hand. High five two people. Tell them you're good looking. <laughs> so you get told yourself, don't you? <laughs> I had an interesting thing happen uh, last night, and uh, it was my baby. She uh, enjoys, loves, uh, takes pleasure in waking up daddy at about 2.30 in the morning. And uh, I love that, uh, obviously, uh, for numerous different reasons. My wife is deaf to it. Silence. Uh, for some reason, literally, my wife doesn't hear it, but my baby's crying out. And then it was a unique cry. It was actually a different cry than normal because for some reason, she starts saying at 2.30 in the morning, she's like, ow, ow. And I was like, oh, my goodness. So normally where I might try, ignore it, and hopefully she goes back to sleep. When your little daughter's going, ow, how many know you running? Or you just not like a man or something. You, you, I just, so I go in there and the little one had her foot caught in the crib, like in the, in the bars of the crib, uh, in, the, in, in those little things. She's like, ow, and it's caught in there and so forth. And I had to go along and just turn her foot, just that little bit. Isn't it, isn't it amazing that, that your father can just turn you a little bit and if he turns you a little bit, you go from ow to wow. Right? Isn't it amazing that God can just shift something in your life, a focus of your life, and just shift it, and in that, you can find freedom. I just want to bring out this passage of Scripture and just turn your mind to it, turn your foot to it for a moment so that it will be fresh, it'll be real, it'll be powerful. So I want to show you a different translation of the Bible on this one. It is the Young's literal translation of the Bible because it, it shows the, um, the proper perhaps wording for the Greek here. I'm not a Greek scholar, but I listen to enough scriptures, enough preaching on this text. So I want you to show Romans 5.17, guys, in the Young's literal translation of the Bible. It should be the next verse. Okay, for if by the, the offense of the one, the death did reign through the one. So it's a little bit complicated, uh, that, that part, isn't it? You're kind of like the death did reign and all this kind of stuff. And then it says this, much more those who the abundance of grace and of the free gift of righteousness are what? Are what? Receiving in life, they shall reign through the one, Jesus Christ. How many of you have put your faith in the person of Christ? How many of you would say, I am a Christian? 
Now, you might be here today, and man, if you're not, not sure about God, man, I, I love that you're here. I love that you're checking out God and church, and maybe a friend invited you, and so forth. But if you call yourself a Christian, perhaps you've been a Christian for six months, or perhaps you've been a Christian for 50 years. I don't know your story. I became a Christian at a very young, young age. But how many of you know that the moment you are a Christian at a young age, that does not mean that you've received everything you need to receive? Now, now, figuratively or in heavenly places, I'll put it that way, you have, but you are to keep receiving. You are to keep receiving the gift of righteousness and you are to keep receiving God's abundant provision of grace. And the Bible's promise, hear this now, the Bible's promise to your life is if you will put into action receiving God's abundant provision of grace. And if you will put into action receiving the work of Christ and the gift of righteousness, then what will happen? Then you'll reign in life. Now, that's way better news than you're responding to. Now, you're kind of like, ah, Anthony, that sounds too good to be true. How many believe that the Apostle Paul reigned in life? Now, his situation was terrible. I would not like his situation, but how many of you would like his attitude? How many of you would like his spirit? How many of you would like his influence? What's amazing is that he spent his time in prison in not an American prison with like Netflix. There was no bench press there. There was no, there was no chin-up bars. He didn't even have a porta potty He had a corner where he could do dookies in. Like it was not a good place, you know what I'm saying? He was in the type of prison that not only could he do dookies in the corner, other prisoners, no, you need to hear this. So you're like, ah, oh, that's gross. That's his life. I'm just explaining the Bible. If you're getting grossed out by this, you're getting grossed out by the Bible. You shouldn't say that in church. This is the Bible. I'm explaining it. That other people were in prison and they were going to the bathroom on top of him. Like it was literally falling down. And in that passage of Scripture, he says this in Philippians 4, verse 4, he tells them, rejoice or have joy in the Lord occasionally. Have joy in the Lord after you've had a Starbucks. Have joy in the Lord when you're feeling good, if you like it. Have joy in the Lord if your job's going well. Have joy in the, in the Lord if everything's going right and you are blessed and everything's going on for you. No, it says rejoice or have joy in God. Here's what it says, always. And then he says, and just in case you didn't get that one, he says, again, I say, find joy in God. Are you with me? Now, here's what's interesting. So, can you guys show this real quick? Can you show God's abundant grace? The phrase, God's abundant grace. There's a portion of Scripture. For if by the trespass of the one man, next one, death reigned through that one man. Now he says, God's abundant provision of grace. How many of you like provision? Say yes. Uh, how many of you have a car payment in here? Anyone have a car payment? Got a car? Got a car payment? Generally got a car? Got a car payment in America? That's how we rock it, right? Got a house? Actually, you don't have a house. You got a mortgage. It's called a death trap. <laughs> <laughs> 
But anyway, you're blessed, right? How many of you would like it if I paid your mortgage just for one month? <laughs> Someone say provision. That would be provision, wouldn't it? Now, if I was to say, listen, I will pay off your house. How many say that's abundant provision? How many of you, if you took a $500 piece of crap car and we exchanged keys and I just want you to show the bad, bad car on the screen and then I decided to give you God's abundant provision of grace, not that one, the next one, because you're like, I'm confused, that's my car, <laughs> you know, I just got a new lease, you know. Okay, this, the, now uh, this may be your car, I don't know, I just typed up on Google, not that good cars. Here's what came up. So how many of you would be excited, though, if you had this car, and then all of a sudden someone gave you the keys to a Ferrari or a, a, a Ferrari uh, Testarossa? <laughs> you didn't even have to try. You just thought, praise Jesus. <laughs> oh, yes, I just got spiritual. Isn't it amazing? Someone's in church. We, we have a hard time lifting our hands, but someone gives a little bit of money. You just like, praise Jesus. <laughs> you just got spiritual, didn't you? Huh? Okay. Okay. Showing up 4 a.m. for Black Friday. Can't come to church on time at 10 o'clock. <laughs> no. No. She wasn't ready. You know what gets me even better? You know what gets me even better? 12 p.m. service here, people still come late. I'm like, really? It's 12 p.m. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> pastor frustrations. <laughs> what was I talking about? <laughs> Someone say provision. Someone say God's abundance of provision. See, the message of the gospel is that God has taken us from one position to the next, literally from death to life, from sinners to saints, from those who didn't know God to those, those who now know God, those who are far away from God. The Bible says, through the blood of the Lamb, we are brought near, we are brought close. God did not used to be your father at one point of the game, and now He is your father, and you will not just live a good life. The Bible says you will live eternally. In a perfect place, a perfect environment where the bitumen is gold. Where the pavement, there's so much excess and ridiculousness that the pavement's gold. You know you got money when the pavement is gold. We're just going to sprinkle it with gold and then we're just little, little, just little sprinkles of diamonds. And we'll walk on it. Some are so rich. God's abundance of grace. And then the Bible says this, and the gift of righteousness. Someone say the gift. If I gave you a gift, um, what often happens is someone, you, you give someone, you give something to someone, and they're like, oh, you didn't have to. I don't deserve it. And you're like, I know. It's a gift. They're like, let me give you a bit of money for it. And now you're insulting me. If I was to give you a Ferrari, and you're like, well, let me at least give you $10 for it. No, keep your money. And God says, I am giving you a gift called righteousness. What is righteousness? We throw around these words all the time. And then I asked our young people on Friday night, what does righteousness mean? And I realized like no one knew. So I'm like, oh, I've got some teaching to do. 
Righteousness means right standing with God, right standing with your Father. Do you know that according to Scripture, Jesus says you are righteous continually, whether you like it or not, whether you believe it or not. But the moment you start believing you are righteous, you will start acting like you are righteous. When you start believing you are righteous, you will start acting righteous. Don't fix your actions, fix your beliefs. When you fix your beliefs, you will fix your actions. Can I get an amen? number of years ago, come on, give the Lord a hand. That's good. number of years ago, I was hanging out with just some buddies, and I was 17, and just, out, you know, 16, 17, in that high school phase, and high school phase, it's just like go over someone's house, and if their parents aren't home, it's a little bit wild, and so forth, and at that time, I would kind of get drunk and stuff, and then at, at the time, I remember a buddy of mine, I was like, here, have a cigarette, and I was like, all right, I'll try one, and and uh, so I had a few of those over the weekends and stuff over about a course of a year. And then I remember thinking to myself, I was training at that time to come to America to play college tennis. I was training six, seven days a week. I was working out. I was doing sprints. I was playing tennis. I was doing a lot of stuff. And I remember when they gave me a cigarette and I was uh, having a cigarette because that's what you do. And um, you're like, no, no, it's not. Yeah. Well, it might be what you do. I don't know. This is what I did. But I remember thinking to myself, I'm an athlete, why am I smoking? And so I I thought about it. I was like, wait, so I'm training like six, seven days a week, and now I'm having a cigarette. So then I was like, I threw out the cigarette and just never touched one again. Um, Why? Because it was my identity. My identity was athlete, not smoker. Right? Right? And so because my identity was quite strong in that one thing, therefore I gave up a dumb habit. Sorry if you're smoking here, but it is a dumb habit, right? Gives you cancer. Yellow teeth. Bad breath. (laughs) Because my identity or because my belief was in a certain thing, therefore my, my, my behavior then changed. If you start declaring that you are righteous and you, are, you have received the gift of righteousness and over and over again, even in your struggle in sin, you might have literally sinned like a minute ago, but then you begin to declare, I am righteous in Jesus. Over time, that, that behavior that seems to be addicting to you, after time, you'll just kind of flick it off. Why? Because you are more secure in your identity. Does that make sense? So show the scripture again one more time. And it says this. For if by the trespass of the one man, say the one man. This is Adam. He passed it on to us. Death reigned through that one man. Death was a foreign concept to the work of God. Do you know that the Bible actually calls death the enemy itself? In 1 Corinthians 15, it says, death will be defeated. And then in Revelation chapter, I believe it's 22, it says that death itself will literally be thrown into the lake of fire. So when Adam sinned, literally it wasn't just sin that was passed on. It was death itself that was passed on. And it reigned over every single one. Now the Bible says much more. Someone say much more. 
much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness, they will reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Now, here's what it says in Young's literal translation of the Bible. It says that they are receiving on a continual basis. The Greek is active. In other words, you don't just receive salvation at a moment. You are receiving God's abundant provision of grace. You are receiving the gift of righteousness. And as you lay hold of that, and as you stretch your hands to it, God adjusts you and gives you power to reign in life. Does that make sense? So let me give you a few thoughts on what God wants you to do when it comes to reigning in life. This is different from my Sunday morning message, but I just feel like I want to give you three thoughts, quick thoughts on reigning in life. What does it look like to reign in life? I believe it looks like this. You reign, first of all, in your attitude. Someone say your attitude. Someone say, get rid of stinking thinking. Right? Sometimes you need a check up from the neck up, don't you? Right? Philippians 4 verse 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. And then he goes on to say, Do not be anxious about what? About what? How are you doing with that? <laughs> Do not be anxious about what? Do not be anxious about what? What about anxious about school? What about anxious about money? What about anxious about your life? What about anxious about anything? So if I was to reign in life, therefore my attitude must be one that says I actually can fulfill what God has for me. Therefore, I don't have to be anxious about anything. If I've moved into anxiousness, I've stopped reigning in life. If I've moved into worry and doubt, I've stopped reigning in life. Do not be anxious about everything or anything, but in everything, the Bible says, let your prayers and your supplications go to God. And then it says this, and the peace of God will transcend all understanding in Christ Jesus. Then it goes on to say, Philippians 4 verse 8, then it says, think on these things. What things? Think on that thing which is good. Think on that thing which is lovely. Think on that thing which is good report. Think of that thing which is honorable. Think of that thing which is of virtue and so forth. Because that is the attitude of those who reign in life. Reigning in life starts with your thinking. So if the devil can get you thinking on a certain train, he has you. Because your life will be dictated by your thoughts. So let me ask you a question. How many of you have received the abundance of grace? Come on, how many of you received that? Therefore, you are righteous in Jesus. Does that language hit you or stay with you a lot? Yay, nay? Four out of ten, three out of ten, ten out of ten. How... Does that stay with you? So I must be receiving the gift of righteousness and I must be receiving God's abundance of grace on a regular basis. So it starts with believing. And how do you believe? Therefore, you train your mind to think on Scripture. Because if Jesus said the truth shall set you free, what shall lies do? If Jesus said the truth shall set you free, what will lies do? 
I believe it's Bill Johnson says, when you believe lies, you empower the enemy. So the, Jesus said, I am forgiven, right? But if I don't think forgiven, I do not act forgiven. If I don't think that I'm forgiven, I don't act free. If I don't think I'm forgiven, I don't act like God's for me. If I don't think I'm forgiven, if I don't think, because I found that most people receive the grace of God, no problem. But then it's performance-based Christianity. Performance-based Christianity sucks. It really does. Because in our, in our desire to want the habits of a Christian, like prayer and Bible reading and giving and serving and all that kind of stuff, sometimes we might put too much focus on the habits of a Christian so that you and I do the habits. So we either produce two people. One person is guilty for not doing it. The other person is prideful because he does it. And both of these are actually the enemy of the grace of God. Unrighteousness is an enemy of the grace of God. But so is self-righteousness. Because self-righteous people are the most annoying people in all of the world. Are you with me? Jesus had the most problem with self-righteous people, not unrighteous people. Because unrighteous people often know they're unrighteous. But self-righteous people, well... God forgives my past. You know, think about this, right? I'm a pastor, if you know, don't know that. I'm a pastor. So what if I have a good week? My good week might be, well, I read the Bible a lot, prayed a lot. It was awesome to my wife. Awesome to my kids. I don't know, whatever. And then I get up there. And, oh, yes, I'm not going to preach to you. I'm going to tell these people how much they suck. Because how great I am. Self-righteousness comes actually sometimes quite easy. In Philippians chapter 3, the Apostle Paul began to describe his Jewish heritage. And he says, I was, I was of the tribe of Benjamin. I was a Hebrew of Hebrews. I was circumcised on the eighth day. I was trained by this one and trained by that one. And then he says something so interesting. He says, I consider all of these things a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord. He says, I do not want self-righteousness. Verse 9, I can't ex exactly remember the, quite the verse, but it says this in Philippians chapter 3, verse 9. He says, I do not want a self-righteousness. I want the righteousness that God gives by faith. Oh, you guys are so good that you got it here. Philippians 3, verse 9, it says this, And be found in Him, watch this now, not having a righteousness of what? My own, My own that comes from the law, or perhaps from even the fulfillment of Christian habits, which are great, and I want you to do them. But hear me now. But that which is through what? Faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of what? How many of you know this? How many know that righteousness comes by faith? Here's the big question. Are you receiving it? Are you daily receiving it? Are you daily receiving it? Because here's what I, can I tell you this? If you become a Christian and get fired up and charged up, it can I say this? It's easy to have a passion for two or three years. 
But then over time, it's like the devil kind of comes along and he either gets you in unrighteousness or offense or he gets you in self-righteousness. But either way, you lose the passion because you've forgiven your past, but now you're in performance Christianity. And performance Christianity, good week, bad week. Good week, bad week. Good week, well, I'm going to church because I'm good. If you've ever met people that had such a bad week, they can't even go to church. Again, it's performance-based Christianity. Do you know that you have to keep declaring you're righteous? Do you know you have to keep saying, God, give me your abundant grace. And this week, can I be honest with you? This week, I had a sucky week. It's kind of crap. I say that almost as a shock value, partially. But I say it just to be authentic and real. Amen. But can I say this, just because I had a circumstantially bad week doesn't mean I need a bad attitude. Second, uh, sorry, Romans 5.17, because I, I kept on saying this, God, help me receive the gift of righteousness. Well, thank you for it. Because how do you receive a gift? Katie's going to give me her phone. She's going to give it to me. How, how, I just go, thanks. And do you know that you need to keep doing that with God? The gift of righteousness that He gives, you are to receive it and receive it and receive it and receive it and receive it. And the next day, and the next day, you're receiving it and receiving it and receiving it. And when you are receiving it over and over again, you are growing in your greatness and awareness of the grace of God instead of you were excited, but now you're not as excited anymore. Because you are continually receiving it. And, and the, the, how many know that this is active faith? The only thing I need to do to grow in the grace of God is to stretch out my hands and go, I receive it again. Bad week, I receive it again. Good week, well, I receive it again. Did a mistake last night, I receive it again. See, true grace doesn't lead me to sin. True grace leads me to change. Sometimes we're afraid that if we preach grace, sometimes if you talk too much about grace, people are like, wow, that's too much about grace. But the Apostle Paul goes on to say in the next chapter of Scripture, he goes on to say, he says in Romans 6 verse 1, he says, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? He says, by no means. We died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Are you with me? Second thought on reigning in life has to do with your attitude. First thought is attitude. Second thought is your spirit has to reign. As you receive God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness, I believe your spirit will grow strong. Your mind must grow strong, but your spirit must grow strong. What does that mean? Ephesians 6 gives us a description of a man that is clothed in the armor of God. And one of the first pieces of that armor is the breastplate of righteousness. 
And it gives a depiction of a strong person or a strong-spirited person who is, has a breastplate of righteousness on, has their waist girt about with truth, the Bible says, has the gospel of peace on their, on their, on their feet, has a, has a shield of faith and the sword of the Spirit and the helmet of salvation. It means they are clothed and strong in spirit. One of the unique scriptures in the Bible says this, the Apostle Paul says, For I serve God with my spirit. And I just want to say this to you, if you feel like you're giving up or you want to give up, it means your spirit is weak. Your spirit needs to be strong. Your spirit needs to be connected to the life source of God because if you're wanting to give up, you're doing it on your strength anyway. You were never meant to do this Christian life on your strength. Hear me now, you are never meant to do this Christian life on your strength. The Bible says, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Not be strong in me and the power of my own self-discipline. Not be strong in me. Are you with me? Then it says, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, not if it comes, sometimes we like to avoid the devil. If I avoid him, he'll avoid me. I grew up in a church when I was about 18 that you didn't want to serve God too much because then the devil would attack you too much. (laughs) Can I tell you that's the biggest lie ever? The safest place to be is next to the shepherd. Are you with me? Sometimes if I really serve God, the devil's going to come get me. If you don't serve God, he's got you anyway. He owns you anyway. I don't want to become a religious zealot. He owns you anyway. You can grow in the grace and the favor and the wisdom of God. Can I get an amen? As we receive God's abundant provision of grace, and as we continue to receive the gift of righteousness, we have a reigning attitude. Number two, we have a reigning spirit. But number three, we have power of the enemy. Your life is actually meant to have power over the enemy. Your life, hear me now, is meant to have power over the enemy. Your life as a Christian is to have power over the enemy. When, when you go into a hospital and you go and pray for someone... How many of you want someone who actually has power of the enemy to pray for you? Right? I don't want someone who just goes, oh, greetings and salutations. Yes, yes, verily, verily, I say unto thee. I want someone who knows how to get a hold of God. Are you with me? Power of the enemy means I have protection over my house. Power of the enemy means I, there is a divine protection over my home that the devil, if he was coming in, God will let me know that something's wrong and I kick him out. See, the devil has no basement to get in on on me. He has no living room to get in on. And if he gets in, I need to kick him out. Sometimes Miriam and I have experienced spiritual warfare where literally we've had demons show up in our house. You'll be like, what do you mean? Oh, that's scary. Listen, if you're no, never awake to it, it's happening in your house anyway. Because I can promise you, I can go into some people's home and know that. 
they've got issues going on in their lives. Just from the atmosphere of the home, you walk in and go, oh, this is depressing. Are you with me? Power over the enemy. The Bible says that Jesus, when he instated the disciples, he gave them power over Satan. You and I are not meant to be reigned on, and I mean reigned over by the devil. We are meant to reign over the devil, and he is to stay under your feet. He is to stay under your feet, and the only way he stays under your feet is if you are clothed in the grace of God. And continually allowing His grace and His power to come into your spirit and into your life. In Jesus' name. Why do you need to pray? Power of the enemy. Why do you need the Word of God? Power of the enemy. Why do you need to be in the house of God? It'll encourage you to get around the right people. Why do most people need to get drunk and high? Because they're not filled with the Spirit of God. And if you're not filled with the Spirit of God, you'll get filled with some other spirit anyway. Yeah. Are you with me? Yeah. Come on, worship team, come back. My kids today ran up to me, it was, I don't know, six in the morning, and they woke up pretty early. It's funny, on school days. <laughs> school days, Benny's struggling to get up at seven. Sunday morning, 6 a.m. Hey, Daddy, can I watch TV? But they run on down and run to me and give them a hug and so forth. And for some reason, I started thinking about they were confident in their relationship with their dad. Can you imagine if they walk downstairs every morning, they tiptoe and go, gee, was I good enough this week for dad? Was I good enough this week for dad? Can I go and hug my dad? Can I go and talk to my dad? Oh, I'm not sure I can talk to my dad. They've either got a very warped view of their father or they have a warped father. I promise you, you don't have a warped father. Your father is good. So if you are tiptoeing to God and not sure about God, perhaps you have not received the gift of righteousness. Or secondly, perhaps you have received the gift of righteousness. But there's lies going on in your mind and in your heart. Can I say this? That is so important, so vital that you are confident in your position in God. And the Bible says, if you'll be confident in your position in God, the gift of righteousness and the abundance of His grace, you will literally reign in life. Doesn't mean everything will perfect. Doesn't mean everything will go your way. But it does mean you'll reign in life. Does that make sense? Come on, close your eyes with me, bow your head. Father, I lift up every man in this room, every woman in this room. Thank you for the honor of speaking your word and thank you for the honor of encouraging them and doing my best to communicate your word. But I, I pray, Holy Spirit, that God is just a very natural thing, preaching, a very natural thing, talking. I pray that you would breathe life on this message. And Lord, in their minds and in their hearts and in their spirit, that it would stick to them like glue. And God, with this lies, with this things that are coming against their life, Lord, I pray that the truth of God's Word would bust those things and break those things and lift heaviness and lift guilt and shame. And Lord, just bear awesome fruit, I pray, in the awesome name of Jesus. Heads bowed, eyes closed in this place. Listen, my friend, you cannot be good enough for God. God is too good. 
So he sent his son. So he was good enough. He got the A plus report card for you. And all you have to do is take his report card and put it over your life. This is the gift of righteousness so that you can be confident in your relationship with your daddy. If you are here today and you've never received Jesus, or you know without a shadow of a doubt, you may have received him many years ago, but you've been running from him. Would you do me the great honor of praying a simple prayer with you? And that prayer will just simply connect you back to a person. His name is Jesus. He loves you as a plan for your life. And we're going to pray as a church family. And we're going to say, Jesus, would you forgive me? Jesus, would you heal me? Jesus, would you grant me your gift of righteousness? And from that point on, the Heavenly Father will actually call you son. He'll call you daughter. And on the inside, you'll be changed. So I'm going to pray a prayer. And I'm asking every single one of you to pray it with me. But if you are praying this for the first time, just make sure by faith you are just stretching out your arms to your Father and just saying, Jesus, I need you. So come on, let's pray this prayer together. Jesus, thank you for the gift of righteousness and your abundant grace to change me, to make me right with God, to anoint me to reign in life. I stretch out my hands. I ask for your grace right now. I turn from trusting me to trusting you. Change me forevermore. Heads bowed, eyes closed in this place. If you meant business with God, would you quickly raise your hand? Say, Pastor Anthony, that's me today. Man, I need to come back to God today. Man, I'm receiving Jesus perhaps for the very first time. Quickly raise your hand. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm simply going to see it and pray for you. Is there anyone here today saying yes to Jesus all across this place? Thank you, buddy. Anyone else just all across this place? Just quickly raise your hand and raise it up real high. Anyone else? Just quickly. Anyone else? Quickly. Thank you, Lord. Father, I pray for every person within the sound of my voice, but especially those who are responding to your grace and mercy. God bless them in Jesus' name. You've received God's word. Come on, can you give me a hand?